I love money. I have always loved money. I know it's maybe not like a cool thing for a girl to say, but I've always been like, listen, I'm going to fill out my bathtub with money and lie in there. Like, (laughs) I will join you. That's awesome. (laughs) Come in. Next podcast. Right? From the bathtub with money money piles. Welcome to She's Interesting, a podcast for women over 30 about business, money, and well-being. I'm your host, Rochelle Hariri, and we have a very, very fun and thoughtful episode for you today. I have my dear friend, Sigute Zidigait, who's visiting from Ottawa. She's in Toronto, and as you can see, we are not in our studio space like we normally would be. We are in a beautiful apartment here in Toronto, and Sigute's visiting, and we just had the She's Interesting launch a couple of nights ago, so... There's no way that I was going to let her visit Toronto and we were not going to film a podcast episode. So thank you for joining me. Oh my God. I'm so excited. We've been <laughs> chatting about this for a while yeah. and it was just perfect timing. Your launch, which was amazing. Congrats. Thank you. Thank you. And now we're here in this Airbnb. And we it's made gorgeous. It work. The vibes are working. Hopefully the lighting is good. Um, let me give you a quick background on Sigute and what makes her so impressive and amazing. So Sigute is a personal brand consultant. She's a certified business coach. She's an author of Multi-Passionate, How to Claim Your Identity and Radiate as a Multi-Passionate in a Linear World. Don't we all feel like we're stuck in this world? She writes a weekly column, the Friday newsletter that helps ambitious professionals find their voice, build their career off the beaten path, and finally embrace their multi-passionate selves. Yes, she has worked with world-class companies. Like, hang on, let me just get to the details. Shopify and Mindvalley. Her consulting, which was air quotes, a side hustle, quickly turned into her full-time job that she created for herself, allowing her to quit her corporate job. So we have another quitter here, (laughs) which I love. Sagute has consulted for hundreds of online business owners. If you're starting an online business, pay attention to this episode and helped launch and grow multiple seven-figure businesses, including Dharma Coaching Institute and Evercoach by Mindvalley, as well as numerous other projects for authors of best-selling books, podcasts, and all of them happen to be in the personal transformation space. And as you guys know, I am obsessed with self-development, personal development, and so I have the best person on the couch here with me today. As a former secretly ambitious professional, she launched her coaching business during the Great Recession a couple of years ago when everyone was quitting their jobs and she's been helping them build non-traditional careers online. Her mission is to help people reclaim their power over their careers and to begin unleashing their multi-passionate selves through a strong online presence. Thank you so much for being here. How impressive is that? I'm so excited. I'm so excited. And we, I think we first met when we were both leaving mm-hmm. Shopify at the same time. I think we connected through like Instagram or LinkedIn being yeah. like, I left. I think you left a month later. Yeah, it we was, like, it was oh very quick. We're on the same journey. So I'm happy now, like two and a half, three years later, we're like, okay, let's like unpack what has been going on. (laughs) And let's talk about why we left. (laughs) Give you guys the dirt. No, it was, I remember that I had seen, I don't know if it was like, I saw it on Slack first or if I saw it on Instagram, but somehow I came across your profile and you were sharing your journey. And I thought, this is amazing because she is steps ahead of me and I'm about to take this leap too. And it's, it's like, it's very nerve wracking when you've had a nice corporate career, you got a good salary and you're leaving. And I was like, this is great. I am going to find a buddy (laughs) and we are going to talk about stuff that no one else can relate to. So when you decided to leave Shopify, 
You had been in your corporate career for how long? Three years at Shopify, mm-hmm. before then Mind Valley for three years, and then before that I worked in finance for three years. Okay. So I've got my three-year rotation yeah. going. So it's it's quite a while of being in the corporate space. What was it that sparked your interest that made you want to leave? Like, was there an aha moment that you had? Were you just growing tired of the nine to five? Or at Shopify, maybe it was like nine to eight sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It was many things. I think probably similar to you is, I mean, the the thing that we went to Shopify for was the internal jungle gym. Yeah. And you can move around. And I loved my role. It was incredibly amazing. Then I started in the last year feeling like, okay, where's the next thing? And I love personal development. We're obviously going to get into that. Mm -hmm. And I just started finding myself trying to like inject it into Mm -hmm. Shopify, which... I think in a way is really good. And I know that there was like some debates also going internally of like Shopify is an e-commerce company and we're removing friction through tech. And I was like, okay, but there's also the, we have to remove the mindset friction and the network friction that Mm -hmm. entrepreneurs have and the doubt friction. And so I was like trying to make that work. And uh, yeah. And then there kind of a moment hit me where I was like, why don't I have to be with Shopify tattooed on my forehead to feel comfortable to pursue my dream? And I was like, no, maybe there's a jungle gym outside of the jungle gym, which is, you know, step outside yeah. the box. And so in the real world. <laughs> yeah. So I was like, what if it's just me as Sigute and not me behind a company? And I've always hid, not hid, but like I've valued amazing companies mm-hmm. that stand for a big mission. Yeah. And that's what founders who have passion and vision. And I just reached a point where I was like, I could be that. Absolutely. Yeah. What what I really love about what you said is. I had a similar experience where I was working for McDonald's. I worked for Tangerine Bank before. I worked for Shopify. And it's sometimes in your career, you get stuck with like, well, if I'm at McDonald's, which is the largest global brand, where do I go next? And then you're like, well, if I'm at Shopify, which is this incredible tech company, it's Canada's tech darling, where do I go next? And I feel like by removing yourself and recognizing that your value is something that you carry, not what your employer carries... It's like releasing yourself of these corporate handcuffs where you, you can do whatever you want now. Like, what do, how do I want to live my life? What's my path? What does my jungle gym look like? We're actually going to get into the jungle gym that Sigute is creating for herself because she has so many interesting projects that are on the go and you're, you're doing it all as a solopreneur. But before we get there, I want to take the audience a few steps back because I know your journey and I've been following it, but they are new to this. So at what point in your life did you start to get more acquainted with self-development and personal transformation? I am so grateful for my mom to fill our shelves with personal development books. She was into that. I know that you're a big Oprah fan yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, me, my two sisters, my mom, we would four o'clock hits. You're watching Oprah. Uh, She was like our spiritual guru. Mm -hmm. And it just stuck with me. It doesn't stick with everyone. It didn't necessarily yeah. stick with my sisters at the time, but it really stuck with me. And I was the the boss babe, the like, let's go to business school and yes. then let's go to finance. And thankfully that personal development side just like pulled me a little bit out of that mm-hmm. um, ego status drive. And it pulled yeah. me into, okay, but what do you actually want to do? What's your actual mission? And so, uh, yeah, I just probably when I was 16 would be when I first maybe read a Tony Robbins book. Oh, that's amazing. I love that. I read my first self-help book was when I was 18, 
So it was like before I was going to university and I remember it was like the summer I was trying to figure out, you know, what am I doing with my life? But I read, excuse me, your life is waiting. Mm -hmm. And that book taught me about manifestation without actually talking about it. It was talking more about like the feeling you get of when you visualize something really exciting and how it all sort of like looks to you. I can imagine many of your friends were probably not focused on that. They're like watching Friends or Will and Grace or whatever was popular at that time. So how did you continue to nourish yourself in that way that you can keep learning and growing? Personal development for me was a very secret passion. And I know there's a theme in my story of just feeling like it's a secret and I really want to finally share it with the world. And so that was a big secret. None of my friends were into that. I was the playing and going out with them, like playing almost that role. Mm -hmm. But then my real passion was conversations like this. Like if we had podcasts back in the day, my life would be, I mean, I love how my life turned out and I love the journey I went through, but oh my God, it would have been so fulfilling to have these conversations. And so I think I knew from a very early age, I would have to build that community And especially growing up in Ottawa, you know, it's a little bit more of a government town and Mm -hmm. smaller city. I just knew it had to be somewhere else. And so I actually took a very unique path of going into real estate as my side hustle when I was working in finance. How long did you do? How did you? Okay, first of all, how did you do finance and real estate at the same time? And And serving at a restaurant. And and what? So I like the, the joke is I've never not had like three income streams coming in. That's perfect. Yeah. And I just. Uh, so you were already in training before you oh, even yeah. knew it. Yeah. I was just like without even knowing it. I just had, I've always had really good routines and I love routines. Right. So I'd go to the gym 6 a.m. Monday to Friday. Then I would go to my job. Then I would, you know, evenings work as a server, maybe weekends real estate. Like I just loved a full day. I love I had awesome. so much energy. I was like bubbling up. And so I got into real estate because that is like your gateway into entrepreneurship at mm-hmm. least 10 years ago. Yeah. It was the safe thing to do. And so actually going through that, yeah. I built my network and I met someone who he then posted a year later, Hey, I'm at this company called Mind Valley. We're based in Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia. No way. I'd never heard of it. He's like, we're looking for someone to work directly with our authors. And I was like, say, you can see my excitement meant meant to be. I was like, excuse me, these books that I'm reading, I get to work with these people. And I, this is also why I love sales. Another conversation we get to, because this guy's like amazing Mm -hmm. at selling. I reached out to him and I was like, Hey, this sounds good. He's like in 24 hours. If you send your application, I'll vouch for you. I was like, all right, application in. 24 hours later, vouched. I'm talking to Vishen, the CEO, a week later. What? Hey, mom, I'm moving across the world. Uh, Oh my God. And that kind of, so I always look at like, it doesn't matter what you do. If you just take some kind of action, it'll lead you to the next thing that maybe you're meant to do. Or, you know, real estate wasn't my end goal. Mm -hmm. It was the step into mind value, which I never in my life would have come across or think to go. You would never assume that that's one thing I always say on the podcast is you can never, uh, you have a big picture for your life and you have a vision for what it should be or what you want it to be but you can never assume how you're going to get there. Because even in in your example, who would have thought that real estate would help you get on the path that you're on today? It doesn't even, like logically, it doesn't make sense. You would never think that that's how you would play chess and get to where you are. But you just have to put yourself out there. And I also think it's a good way of reinforcing that 
networking can happen anywhere. Mm -hmm. You can meet someone at the coffee shop. You can meet someone if you're in real estate and it could actually change your life, which is what happened to you. You went from Ottawa, moved to Malaysia, then went back to Ottawa. When you arrived in Ottawa and you were like, I'm going to work for this company called Shopify. Was there ever a moment when when you were thinking like, do I want to be back in Canada? Especially when you've had so much experience around the world and you've seen things. Did, did it ever feel like Canada was too small for you or Ottawa was too small for you? Or what, what was your feeling? Because, and the reason why I ask this is because I have a lot of friends that have moved abroad and then they come back and the adjustment of coming back for some people can be quite difficult. Mm-hmm. And maybe someone listening right now may have just moved from another country to Canada or to Ottawa or to Toronto, and they may be going through the feels. So I'm, I'm curious what your experience was like. Yes. Okay. Short answer. Yes. <laughs> I, I always think that you should leave the city that you've lived in to get that experience. And I know both of us are immigrants. Like we yeah. both, I was born in Europe. Like yeah. I know that there's a bigger world out there than just Ottawa or just Canada. And that's such an important part of me. But I, so I struggled with that for mm-hmm. a long time of like, yeah. is this city too small for me? And I've really come to terms with, I love having a home base in a place like Ottawa, mm-hmm. but that just means I'm going to go travel a lot more. Yeah. Like even coming here for a few days for the launch of mm-hmm. your podcast. Like these are things I'm integrating into my life. That's great. And I'm traveling for clients next month. And so when you have that balance, um, it, it makes it, mm-hmm. you know, worthwhile and it's good. And I think something interesting happened during the pandemic where it's almost like you won if you were living Yes. in a big home, right? Honestly, I was like, thank God for, I mean, no, not to the, not thank God for the pandemic, <laughs> but thank God that we started working from home because I also don't live in, in Toronto and I would have to commute to the office. Right. And honestly, I remember the amount of times people were like, oh my God, why don't you live in the city? Why don't you live in Toronto? And I was like, I don't want to live here. <laughs> it was, I was like the odd person. Yeah. And the really interesting thing is, Like I also work with a lot of Mm -hmm. really like seven figure entrepreneurs. None of them are living in a condo downtown. And that Mm -hmm. was a really interesting thing to notice is they have the quiet space. I mean, look at any celebrity Mm -hmm. too. They're like in, you know, I mean, of course a big mansion and their big backyard, but they're very isolated. Yeah. And so it kind of was more like, it's not the city that's going to solve your problem. Mm -hmm. It's your network and how you nourish yourself. That's going to change who you are. Because you can be in a city like Toronto here or whatever, New York, and not have any of the good sides of a mm-hmm. calm life. Like a calm, your cortisol is not flying through the roof. So mm-hmm. yeah, I'm very into building online communities because yeah. you can access that wherever you are. And I hope that the, the takeaway from this portion of the podcast isn't like <laughs> move out of your condo <laughs> and come to the country. Although like you guys are welcome to come join me. But I actually found that for myself, when we were further away from the city, at first it was a culture shock. Like I was like, wow, things are further and I have to drive longer. But now that I've been out of the city for at least five years, I do feel like I'm more calm. I feel like I have more space to think. I have, like, I surely still have online distractions for sure. Instagram, TikTok, whatever. But in my life, I'm able to remove myself from the chaos that the city provides and be able to think clearly of like, what do I want? Mm. What's in my core? Instead of being stuck in this sort of like race to be successful or race for the hustle, I'm out of all of that. So I leave, I come to the city a couple times a week. 
I leave that and I go home and I relax. And I think to myself, like my peaceful life and my dog, what are, what are we going to do? Like, what do we want to do in the next year? And that to me feels really nice. Cause I feel like the driver versus like a passenger. Yes. I love how you explain that. I, I also love getting your energy from different places mm. and like pop in downtown if you need it. But something that I've been really reflecting on this year is how much moving to a busy city, being in a busy environment, how much of that can sometimes be a crutch mm-hmm. for the fact that maybe you're not really excited or motivated intrinsically for that thing. Yeah. And so when you're pursuing something that looks good but doesn't feel good, you need all the support around you. The like the perfect morning routine and the perfect this and the busy city and everything to like keep you going. And the second you step out of it, you're going to be like, I actually don't want any of this. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it's been, if I'm out of the city, if I'm in Ottawa, what is it that will make me excited? And it's the business that I'm running right now. It's doing something that I'm aligned Mm -hmm. with. It's my creativity that I wake up and it doesn't matter if it's a rainy day like today, I'm like fucking hyped (laughs) up to be having this conversation with you. I didn't need to like you know, journal you my way. <laughs> I need to meditate to be like, get excited for this. I'm just like, yo, yeah. let's go. <laughs> yeah. I, I fucking love that because I, it's, it's so interesting. Like we're so aligned in a way because I think the same thing. I, I go online and one, one thing after another is like my morning routine and this is how to like live your best life. And it just seems like we're filling our day with things to do and adding to to our to-do list, adding to our anxiety and stress because, hey, I didn't have the perfect morning routine today. I didn't meditate. And then I didn't do my breath work. And then I didn't exercise and do all of this before 8 a.m., which is ridiculous. Like sometimes I just want to sleep until eight because that's what my body needs. So I'm glad that we're talking about this because I do think there, as much as I'm trying to remove perfection from our vocabulary on this podcast, there's so much content and like aesthetic, beautiful content that's being created that's pushing us to want to be more perfect and have the perfect space and have a perfect house. And it's just not real. Like sometimes Mm -hmm. your dishes are just going to be in the sink and sometimes you're going to sleep until eight and you're not going to get your morning workout or stretch, but you're going to be excited to run to your computer and get your stuff going. And I feel like I'd rather have that than a perfectly curated morning, but a shit ton of anxiety, which is what I used to have. Yeah. I feel very calm now. So my big thing is that the personality that you wake up with Mm -hmm. is not the personality that you have to have for that day. And I think the beautiful thing of what your morning routine is, is all it is, is get your energy into the state that you want it to be. So listen, I wake up and I'm feeling low energy or I'm feeling doubt or I'm doing something big that day and I'm really nervous about it or my imposter syndrome creeps up and I'm like, I would just rather not do any of the calls that I'm doing today or, you know, if I'm recording a video and then it's like, okay, what, what are the things that are going to get me back into my little boss babe energy? So I'll listen to podcasts in the morning. Mm -hmm. If I'm writing, I'm going to make a beautiful cup of tea, like make it a whole little thing and then sit down and write. But the important thing here is that it's not a checklist of, did I do this? Did I do this? Did I do this? Now I sit down and I like all the doubts are still there. So the focus is just elevate your energy into whatever you mm-hmm. need it to be. I really like that because I, it's also like nourishing yourself at the time in the way that you need it. So instead of, like you said, instead of this checklist of I have to do all of these things, it's like today I'm feeling anxious. And what do I do when I'm overthinking and anxious? I'm going to write 
because that's going to get it out of my system. And that could be my ritual that I do or whatever it is that makes you feel good. But I think the, the challenge is when society and social media tries to make it look like there's one type of morning routine mm. that's superior to the rest. That's where I think my problem is. Cause I'm like, I don't want to work out today. I'm going to go for a walk and, and then I'm going to have like a coffee and start my day. And, and I think that's what we, we need to lean into more. And especially as like women that are above 30 and like, who fucking cares what anybody else is doing? What's going to work for you and what you need that day. So let's just keep that, like put that on a post-it and put it on your fridge. Like, what do you need today? Fucking do that. And ignore what everybody else is telling you. You need to be like the perfect woman in her 30s, 40s, 50s. Yeah. Um, You've taken a lot of risks. (laughs) You've like moved to a completely different country, different continent. But when you were getting ready to leave corporate, what did you do to prepare yourself? Because I think preparation and and planning is the thing that gives you confidence when you want to take that leap. And I'm so curious what you did to get yourself ready. I love that you started with, it looks like you've taken so much risk because my core essence is stability. Mm, Me too. Yeah. I I, think it's because we're immigrants. (laughs) Yeah. I don't like risks. Yeah. And also working in finance, you know, anytime we had a new client come in, you'd always do the risk assessment on them. Mm. And it just ingrained into me that just because crypto might be the best thing to invest in doesn't mean this Mm. person won't sell the first day it drops a little bit. And so you've just blown up their entire portfolio. So you have to really know your risk and then take action that will support it. And you're not going to blow it up or Mm -hmm. freeze up or run away. So stability is really important to me. And I think that's why I've always layered on. I've had a main gig and a side hustle and maybe an experiment that I'm doing. And so I always have the freedom to test things out Mm -hmm. before going all the way into them. So leaving corporate, I had my side hustle uh, of consulting for clients for, I would say, two or three years had one client, maybe two clients. Mm -hmm. And then when I was ready to leave Shopify, it was just more like, where do I put the gas and where do I put the brakes on? And Mm -hmm. I reached out into my network and I lined up a few clients and it was like, all right, I have clients starting in January that are going to take up a full part of my week. So exciting. I have no choice but to quit at this point. Yeah. (laughs) Like I set myself up for that. Um, And then it was a smooth transition. And I don't feel privileged to say that. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't feel privileged that it was a smooth transition. It wasn't scary to leave because I did the homework. Yeah. I did the planning and I I created the runway for myself. And I'm not saying every, like, if you have high risk tolerance, get at it. Burn the bridges and like- Quit tomorrow. (laughs) Quit tomorrow. But that's, I know that about me. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the way that you've, you broke down your, your process because I think sometimes we do feel like, how do I even get to where I need to go? How do I even like build the foundation for it? Especially when you have a full-time job, right? Like you're getting paid good money, especially we were working in tech. So you're kind of like, you're taken care of. And so it's hard to leave that behind. But I think the lesson here is if you want to do something, you can do it as long as you take the steps. And it doesn't need to be a big step. You don't need to be like, well, all of a sudden I'm going to be covering my salary and and I'm done. It's, it's basically like, I'm going to find, if you want to do consulting, I'm going to find clients in advance and make sure I have them signed on and I'm ready to go. If you want to start, you know, a clothing company or something, well, maybe you start selling online while you have your job until you get to a place where you make enough sales that you feel comfortable leaving everything behind. Because, you know, we are people that (laughs) focus on security in life. And I still think that's the essence of everything. You need to make sure at your core, it's like Maslow's hierarchy. 
Right. Are your very foundational needs going to be met? Are you going to be able to pay your rent or your mortgage? Or do you have enough to cover your food? Are you going to be able to actually have enough extra money to put back into your company and recycle that um, so that you're not just like on a whim quitting and then being like, well, it's crickets and things aren't working out. And so I guess that means I'm not an entrepreneur. And like, that's not it. Nobody just goes on a whim and then doesn't have an idea. Like you can have an idea of what you want to do and then figure it out. So while we're on the topic of money and security, um, there's a big trend right now. And I ask this question to everybody about like a scarcity mindset or abundance mindset. There's so much conversation about this online. Where do you fit in on this scale? Have you always been at the stage that you're at now? And like, tell us what your views are on money. That's basically the (laughs) short question. What do you think about money? (laughs) I love money. I have always loved money. I know it's maybe not like a cool thing for a girl to say, but I've always been like, listen, I'm going to fill out my bathtub with money and lie in there. Like, (laughs) I will join you. That's awesome. (laughs) Come in. Next podcast. (laughs) Right? From the bathtub with money Money. piles. (laughs) And it's, I mean, it's why I went into finance because like, I love money. I just want to be around it. And then Mm -hmm. of course, being in finance, I realized it's not actually like the money that I'm so obsessed with. And Actually, an interesting thing was seeing, going into finance after the 2008 financial crash is Ooh. a really fascinating thing to do because what I would see would be a lot of you know, older people retiring, coming in saying, hey, I'm freaking out a little bit. I put my full trust into these funds or these stocks and they're not really performing right now. And I had this realization of how much we outsource our trust Mm. into other companies, into other founders. And I just, I have goosebumps thinking about it, but I was like, wait a minute, I am the best investment. Mm-hmm. I need to invest in myself. I'm the, I'm the like lever of making money. And I wonder if this is also maybe an immigrant thing. Tell me, tell me not. Um, I didn't grow up with this mindset of have this big nest egg and have this big mm-hmm. generational wealth. And like, if I have my claws in this money and I have a million in the bank, I'm going to feel good. Mm -hmm. For me, safety is, do I have the ability to make 10 grand next month if I need 10 grand? So for me, money has always been this energetic, I can put my hand in the pot of money anytime I want it and take it out. And it's that trust of when I need money, it'll come. Um, I need to work on my ability to to sell, to think of offers, Mm -hmm. to show up. So those are the things I'm working on to give me that sense of safety. I 100% agree because as you were saying that, I never really thought about money in in the way of like, you have to build this nest egg. I always just thought, well, I'm always going to be wanting to work and have companies or do something. But I'm now, now that we're unpacking this, I'm realizing that so many of my friends had been raised that way to like, this is going to be the family home. And this is how much money you need to have in the bank. And and for me, it was so different. Like the thing that my mom would tell me was just like, make sure you save your money, make sure you have enough money saved. Um, but I wasn't thinking about it in that way at all. And I agree. I think money is energy. So it's what you do with the money that matters. If you just store it and hoard it and you put it in like a savings account, which you're actually losing money on every month because of inflation and all these other reasons, it's not working for you. Mm-hmm. And I feel like people forget that money is your employee money needs to work for you and we need to stop working for money. And it's, it probably sounds ridiculous to some people, but once you get to a stage where you refine 
how you view the benefits of money, it changes the way that you use it. Yeah. And I think sometimes we need a certain level of money to be able to reach that place. Absolutely. We need to acknowledge yeah. that. But what happens is a lot of people reach that place and then they're like, and then I need to reach that place and then I need to reach that mm-hmm. place. And they end up going on this adventure where getting money is the goal and the one thing that they're doing without realizing that they have nothing else going for them yes. or they they work all the time. And it's like, well, you don't even have time to spend that money, mm-hmm. to live your life with that money. What yeah. is the point of having that money? And that's when it can go a little bit too far. Yeah, I agree. So speaking of, of money, and we're talking about lots of money, you've worked with a lot of founders that have created seven-figure businesses. And this, I think, is so exciting that you've been there and worked with them and seen mm-hmm. them build these companies and you've been a part of that. Is there some sort of playbook? And, and I should like preface this by saying, this is more online businesses that you've worked with, right? So have you seen a playbook? Is there some sort of foundational things that you think anyone who's creating an online business today should be doing? So many things. Uh, first thing is there you when you work with seven figure entrepreneurs or anyone really successful that's like 10 steps ahead of you you realize that they're the same person as you mm-hmm. and i think that's the biggest thing like everybody needs to just like be planted into a room of really successful people yeah. you realize they're the same and they have the same fears and the same thoughts they just take action mm-hmm. right they don't let it like weigh them down they just kind of like move through it mm-hmm. uh, so that's the biggest thing in terms of how they approach their business it's the investment mentality It's, Mm. I can hoard, same as our conversation, instead of hoarding the money and I have this much and it's growing, it's how much can I take and put there and like bet it on this idea or bet it on this person that I hired to do this thing for me, right? And it's using, again, using your money to grow for you and like planting these money seeds. And they're so amazing at that. They're amazing at not working for 10 hours every day on this one random thing that they could hire someone. Yes. They'll do it for them. And now they just have all this time to do the things that they're really good at. Outsource, 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 outsource everything. And I'm, I'm learning to do that for myself, which is outsourcing things because I think there's also like that. I keep talking about that perfectionist mentality of like getting over the fact that sure you can do a lot of things. Do you have to be the one to do them? No, that's why you need a team. That's why you have to bring people around you that can be great partners and do the things that they can do better than you. So even right now with She's Interesting, I have support with social media. I have editors that are helping with this podcast because technically, could I sit there 12 hours a day and edit all this footage and and do everything myself? Yes. But how would I move the podcast forward? It's it's impossible. So, okay. I love that. So one of them is outsourcing. Another one is their mentality with money. And is there like some sort of, I don't know, I'm trying to get it to like the secret sauce. (laughs) How do they... Is there a certain level that you get to when you have these online businesses where then things just start to flow and attract more without you having to yes. keep putting in as much as you do in the beginning? Like that's that's what I want to understand is like when the engine takes off on its own. Yes. I think this is where I really fell in love with personal branding mm-hmm. because I was working in, let's say, at Shopify and corporate and yeah. I could just see how nobody had their personal brand outside of you know, internally at work, you were known for this role. And then these amazing entrepreneurs all had, it's, I look at it as a runway. You build the runway with your personal brand and then all of your offers, all of your products, 
any money-making thing is just an airplane landing. And you just have that runway and it's just constantly landing. Whereas then we're afraid to build a runway in corporate. And I think that's where kind of having one foot on each side, I decided I'm going to bring this together. I'm going to coach and help professionals build their runway with their brand and then do whatever you want. You want to go get another job, go get another job. You want to start another project, start another project. There's less upfront work when you already have the runway. And I think that's Mm -hmm. where I can now do a lot of things because I've watched these seven-figure entrepreneurs do many things. And I'm like, they're more relaxed than I am. And they're doing 10 things. How is this possible? Outsourcing, you know, paying for things, having the brand that, you know, and the audience really that they can sell to. So you're not reinventing the wheel all the time, getting feedback from your market. So ideas are coming in from your customers of what's the next level they want to get to. Um, The community that you build around you, Mm -hmm. your network, that's a really, really big thing. There's so much, we were talking about this earlier, just the power of collaboration. Yes. And there's, you don't have to do it alone and you're dumb to do it alone because why wouldn't you take advantage of just the ability of collaboration? Everyone's doing it. And I yeah. think there might be something in there for women of all these decades that we've been proving that we can do it. And I can yeah. do what a man can do. And look at me work so hard. And we've reached a point now where we have to slow down and go, we know we can do it. Mm-hmm. You don't have to do it. And I loved what you said earlier. Just because you can doesn't mean you have to. Yeah. And I really do think we've reached that place for women where it's like, you can take a breather. You can hire a nanny for your kid and no yes. one's going to judge you. And if they hire are- Hire the damn nanny. Hire the damn nanny. <laughs> like, yeah. live your life. Go on a trip. Like, we internalize these decades of shaming. But I'm like, I can promise you, like, to my mom friends, I'm like, when you're away for the weekend, I am applauding you because you're changing the narrative for your kids to yeah. not be fully just like 100% committed into one thing. Yeah. Um, and, and the business is the same thing. Right? You don't have to just do everything all the time. Well, it's like the way I think about it too is your business is like a baby. And if it takes a village to raise a baby, mm-hmm. it's the same with a business. You can't do everything by yourself and then expect to have a seven figure company. Right. It's just impossible. You'll be stuck like maybe at six figures if you try to do things by yourself, but you won't surpass. And actually, even recently, I saw some statistic that said only like, a very small percentage, maybe like 30% of women businesses in totality in the U.S. will rise above six figures. And so that was a shock to me, which is why I was so excited to bring you on and be like, tell us more so that we can assess how we're making these decisions, what mistakes we're making that we can fix so that we can all elevate our businesses and get to the next level. Um, And I will say too, so much of it is, again, going back to the jar of putting your hand in it and grabbing Mm -hmm. it, There's so many clients out there today. I can guarantee you there's 20 clients in your immediate network that want to buy something that's in your brain right now. And it's just you doubting that Mm -hmm. or you putting a really low price tag on that. That's stopping it. So it's just, it's not more like skills you need. Like you're perfect as you are right now. You You can make the six figures. Um, Yeah. How do you coach your clients right now who are, like you said, like it's, you already have the thing. It's just about how you package it. So are you seeing like a theme with your clients of, of ways that they are blocking themselves unintentionally, mm-hmm. any biases they have? How do you help people release that? The big blocker that I removed for myself was the tagline, being multi-passionate is your superpower. Mm-hmm. And it was embodying that that gave me the permission that I don't have to do one thing and I don't have to be known for one thing. Mm-hmm. And if I'm working 
intact, but I have this urge to write or consult or coach. I am very much allowed to do that without that meaning I have to burn this identity to the ground, pretend it never happened. And now I found the real thing that I meant to do. Mm -hmm. And instead, what I really coach my clients to do is bring all your experiences in. Because me working in tech and me working at Mindvalley and me having this, this, that, me working in finance, I bring all of that into my story. That's what makes me unique. Mm -hmm. And that's what makes me create offers that are so unique. And it connects me with other people who also have like weird mixes. Mm -hmm. And I think it's probably the same for you. It's like when you bring in all the experiences, it makes you stronger. And we have to get rid of the narrative that it makes you all over the place or lost. It's like, you don't have to take on that story. Yeah. Like I'm a fucking badass with many (laughs) ideas. That's my story. I fucking love that because I often find people are worried like, oh, on my resume, it'll show that I jumped around or I did this and that. And people are going to judge me. And one piece of advice I always give is like, that's fine. As long as you can share the story. Yeah. Like, why did you jump from this company to, to this company? Why did you quit your job for two years and do something different? What is your story? And I think when you're, whether you're going through an interview or you're starting a business or you're doing PR for yourself, it's always the story. And same with marketing and sales. What's the story? What are you selling? What's the value there? And I love that you're sharing these details because oftentimes I think, especially with LinkedIn and all these social networks, it's so easy to look at other people's story and to be able to assess how you think their personal brand is and like, oh, this person's so smart and this person's speaking on panels. And then when you put the mirror to yourself, it's really hard to see, well, what am I good at? What's my story? How do you pull that out from your clients? Do you have like workshops that you do with them or what's the process like if if someone wants to work with you? So I run, it's a three month container. We meet every week for an hour and everyone thinks that they could just download, you know, a sheet on personal branding, or they can do a quick hundred dollar course. Yeah. That's not it. What I always say is like, you can't read the label from inside the bottle. So you can do as many Excel spreadsheets as you want. But a lot of times, if you really want to go deep, you need that kind of back and forth. And there's so many times where clients will, you know, shy and sheepish. And I have this idea and I did this thing. And I'm like, yo, let's put a magnifying glass on that. Like, that's amazing. And it's so much of it. It's why I love coaching. I really do. Mm -hmm. Um, Or the conversations like this. That's really what coaching is. You're like pulling things out of um, somebody that they're not able to see in themselves and you know, even if it's not coaching, like have supportive friends or supportive peers who are on the same journey who can be like, you know, this is amazing. Like you need to talk more about it um, and highlight it. So it's pulling that out of them. Yeah. I think we, we tend to, and across the board, men and women do this, of course, but I think with, with women, we've always been taught to be so humble and thankful. And as immigrants to a country, you are taught to just be grateful for things. And so I love this exercise of taking inventory of what you've done, what you're good at, and then spotlighting the shit out of it because there's nothing wrong with that. And actually at the She's Interesting launch party, we had a panel and Fatima, who was hilarious, was like, guys, I like am so cringy with how much I self-promote that she's like, people have told me that they've muted me because I post too much. And she's like, I don't care. Like, this, I love, is, this is my thing. I love when she said that. <laughs> I love it. And it's like, think of being cringe as the best compliment. Yeah. It's like, you are so, you know, if someone says you're too full of yourself, it's like, who should I be full of mm-hmm. other than myself? Like, yeah. yes, 
like I want to radiate and you know inspire others to radiate so I loved when she said that and I think a lot of people think they're the only ones who feel cringe or they're the only ones that feel icky Mm -hmm. that there's means there's something wrong with them yeah and it's like no everyone has that like I just want to guarantee even the seven-figure entrepreneurs they feel that too. They just do something with it instead of thinking it's a personality flaw. Yeah. I think it's just getting comfortable with being uncomfortable. Like just get to a place where you're like, ah, this doesn't feel good, but we're just going to move past it. Yeah. Like we just got to keep going. I'm going to put that link up or the post and I'm going to share this like thing I did and it feels awkward. But But I also feel like the more you do that, the more it helps you reinforce your story as you're writing these things and you're putting it out in the world. And when you get positive reactions from people. Mm. I think like for me anyway, it makes my brain light up. Like I'm like, wow, I'm, I'm doing something well. People are resonating with this. It means I'm on the right path. But imagine if you never shared anything online, you kept everything to yourself. You just let your imposter syndrome and fear talk you out of everything. You literally would make no progress in life. I mean, what's the point of that? You want to experiment and live a little. Yeah. And I, I'm a big believer in how you do anything is how you do everything. And this applies to what you're afraid of, you're probably afraid of in every area of your life or where you're stuck, you're stuck in every area of your life. And it's probably showing up maybe in relationships or friendships or anywhere else. And so a good exercise if someone wants to test this out is open up LinkedIn, write a post. And as you're hovering over the, you know, send or publish, I forget what that button is, write down all the fears that are coming up. And that is just a fast track to get all of your insecurities out. And then you look at them and then you can start like working through them and and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But building your personal brand is a path to like pulling out all your insecurities and all the like shit that you've accumulated stories from people, the comment your grade 10 teacher made to you. So now you're scared to, you know, write or or anything like that. So use it as a tool Mm -hmm. and then it becomes easier because you're like, listen, I'm not here to like please you with my content. I'm here to like figure out what insecurities came up when I hit publish. Yeah. It's about, it goes back to exactly what you said. It's about being full of yourself. Like, you know yourself so well, you've done the self-work, you've done the exercises, you've either done it by yourself with a coach or with friends. And so now you kind of know who you are and you can walk more confidently in the direction that you want to go, which I love. love. So I'm uh, in awe of the amount of projects that you have on the go. (laughs) As a self-diagnosed person with ADHD, I haven't been fully diagnosed yet, but I've done all the tests online and everything is pointing to, yes. Um, I love that you, for example, Sagute has client work that she does. She has the newsletter that she writes. Um, she has a new book that she launched. It takes time to write a book. She has um, coaching clients and now she's launching a masterclass. So when you are doing this as a solopreneur, you're also helping other entrepreneurs. It's It's a lot of code switching. It's a lot of multitasking and it's a lot of work for one person. What structures do you have in place to help you as this independent business owner to make sure that you don't lose your mind and you stay focused? Right. I also have so many thoughts in my in my head at all times that mm-hmm. I've learned from an early age of as much as I can take thoughts out of my brain and get rid of them, mm-hmm. the happier I will be. So of course, writing is like a huge thing for me because I can get ideas out that way. But the other one is using any kind of online tool or calendar. Like if it's in the calendar, Mm -hmm. I'll do it. I just don't want to think about things. I want to do things. And I was saying, um, with fitness, right. I'm not the type of person that's like, I'll wake up and I'll decide what class I want to go to. It's for me, it's going to work and it's going to stick. If it's, I know at what time I'm going with what day of the week and what workout I'm doing. 
And that's been the biggest help for me um, is just having those time blocks. Mm -hmm. And I think going back to what I've learned working with these amazing entrepreneurs is they do, they ditch perfectionism. Perfectionism wastes 90% of your time. And then you only end up doing 10% work. And it's like, if you just ditch that, how much time would free up in your day? And I know they would, like, you would think these people are planning ahead of time and everything. Mm -hmm. And it would drive me insane because I'm helping them launch a business a month before. And I'm like, I'm stressed out. (laughs) Is it going to work out? Is it going to be good? And they're like, yo, chill. Like, it'll, it'll just happen. And if on the third day of the launch, we need to pivot and change something, we'll pivot and change something. Yeah. And it really taught me to just love that. go with it. Um, okay. So with all these projects that you have on the go, you have the book right now. Um, and you had a beautiful book launch, which was so nice. I was like following online from Toronto. It looked really good. Uh, is there anything that you're still secretly ambitious about? Mm, I love this question. I feel like I'm in a place where I've got such a nice rhythm of starting new things that there isn't anything that I'm secretly ambitious about. Mm-hmm. And that's a really beautiful place for me to be in. Yeah. That there isn't a part of me that I'm hiding or blocking away or secretly working on. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm in the process of launching the multi-passionate mastermind with a so really exciting. amazing friend of mine, Jill. And we're doing it such an easy way. And my sales page is on a Google Doc. Mm-hmm. Just because I want people joining to realize you can launch something with a Google Doc. For anybody who's listening to this right now and who's maybe secretly ambitious and is afraid to put out the fact that they want to start a company or they want to do something that to them feels really wild, it's it's a journey. Like if you look at what Sagute's gone through in her career and in her life, or if you look at what I've been going through until I got here, Five years ago, I wouldn't have been prepared mentally and as a human to be where I am today. And so everything takes time. And so just think about it for yourself that you are building the foundations to get to who you want to be in the future. But as long as you take action and you start doing things from now, it'll help you get to that path. You just don't need to be there today. Maybe you get there next week. Maybe you get there two years from now. But don't think that because you don't have the things that are in your mind right now that you won't get them. And there's this Mm -hmm. quote that I love that says, your mind has to arrive at the destination before you do. Mm -hmm. So like make up your mind that you're going to do these things and then the path will appear, which sounds so crazy and so like wishy-washy, but I truly believe that. Like my mind decides something and then I'm like, okay, we'll find a way to get there. Yeah. I love that. Mm -hmm. And especially for us, there's so much pressure that when you hit 30, you know, some bell chimes. And it's like, do you have this, 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 this? And my mentality was, why do I want my life fully cemented and blocked off and perfect? Mm -hmm. And even again, going back to the immigrant conversation of like the forever home and this and that, like, why would I want a forever home at 30? On what planet? Like, I'm going to have a bougie house when I'm 60. And then when I'm 80, I'm going to have a villa in France. Like, I don't need no forever home. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to have homes up. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. This was so much fun. Um, Sagute is amazing. You can find her at sagutezidikite.com. You can also find her on Instagram. You can get her book off of Amazon. Thank you for joining us. And as always, thank you to our listeners for supporting the podcast, for listening to She's Interesting. Let's keep in touch. Follow us on Instagram at She's Interesting Podcast. You can also go to she'sinteresting.com and sign up for the newsletter. Um, 
And yeah, I hope you guys have a great day and that you took something away from this conversation. If you have any other questions for us, let us know on social media and we will have a follow-up. And thank you for bringing this podcast into our lives. I'm so excited to just listen to every episode you release. My pleasure. Thank you, ladies. Mwah.